Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Some of the most important people in our lives are those that may have gone before us and we may not have even met them. I have a lady in my life that is that way. It's my grandmother on my dad's side. Her name was Maddie Melton Harper, and she died six years before I was born. But she prayed that God would use her children and grandchildren and even in further generations to be a part of the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm an answer to her prayer. And also, my son, Nathan Harper, who is our co-host, is a product of that prayer. That's, that's a pretty good legacy, Nathan. It is. It is. And when I heard that and found that out, and I did not know that until I had been pastoring for a few years, and my mother told me that about her mother-in-law having that prayer. And so I thank God for those women who are are ministering in ways that sometimes we never say. The other thing I'd like to say is, you know, when we, the, Paul referred to us as the body of Christ, have you noticed the most important functions and the most important organs of the body are those that are not seen, the heart, the lungs, the brain? You don't right. see those. You do see the hands. You 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 hear from the lips, and you know all of those are real and they're vital. But the vital organs are those that are not seen. Could that be true in the church? Yeah, we we have to have those behind the scene people, behind the scenes people who are praying and giving and and serving in ways that they might not receive recognition that is due to them, and for whatever reason, how they've been gifted or the way God has shaped them through their personality. They don't want to be given that recognition or, or, or just the nature of things, and they're vital to the functioning, the healthy functioning of, of the local church. And many of them, not all of them, many of them are women, and uh, women, uh, they do have a visual role. I, I know we're not taking that away from it, but the scripture that I— that intrigued me in sharing this interview that we did is this one with Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy." When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Here, Timothy is serving the Lord alongside Paul because of two ladies that were giants in the faith. Amen. 
And it says the faith lived in them. The faith lived in them. And, and it was seen, it was observed, and it was passed on. Now, you know, it's kind of like you see this three-legged race, if you do, and they're passing baton. The baton has to be passed, but it also has to be received, doesn't it? Yeah, it goes both ways. And in the book of Proverbs, we find a lot about children, male and female, not receiving what their godly parents said. So it's not automatic, is it? No, it's, it's not. There's challenges there. Apparently, as much as we can tell, Timothy's father was not a believer. He was Greek and probably not a believer. And that's many homes around the world today where women are the faith bearers in the home, not just for their own children, but you know, just as they, as they live their life and, and shine for the, the gospel in their community. I'm, I'm thinking right now of just some friends that work in uh, East Africa. And many times, and, and this is not just any one specific religion, it, it goes across a lot of religions, where the, the woman in the home, the mom, kind of is the, the key person that keeps the faith, uh, whatever that religion might be, in, in the home. And so many women are coming to follow Jesus. In this particular case, it happens to be out of uh, Islamic background. So many Muslim women are coming to follow Jesus, but they are doing it pretty much against the wishes of their, of their husbands and, and the rest of the family and villages. And So a lot of times these women are put out of the home, put out on the street. And so the church has to be there to minister to these women who now are left alone without any income, without a home. But God is using those women to minister to other women. And many families are, and many people are coming to know Jesus through, through, a, uh, you know, through women's uh, testimony, what God is doing in their life. Our guest today, as we'll do the interview following uh, mine and Nathan's discussion, will be Nancy Lee DeMoss, Wogenmuth. I'm saying that as well as I can. And uh, I just knew her as Nancy Lee DeMoss for years until she married lately. And the interview is going to bless you because she has a ministry to women that really crosses many barriers, those that are single, those that are married, those that are moms, and those that are not. And and so to find a ministry that Nancy has and to reach in to others, and American Family Radio is a part of that as she has the program, and it blesses so many people. And we pray this interview will, will encourage you, will bless you, and, and you'll see how God is using the gifts of so many people, but especially the women that we're focusing on today to further the gospel. I think that's what Lois and Eunice did. God used them to pass down the faith to Timothy, and Timothy would walk with Paul and change the world. So that that saying, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, we see Lois and Eunice doing that in the life of Timothy. Our guest today on Exploring Missions is Nancy Lee DeMoss, and your new name has been added. And it we've has. Been, we've been practicing how to say it. It takes a little effort. I actually tripped on it myself the other day. I was talking to my husband, and I said, Walgamuth, but I didn't, it didn't come out that way. It came out way different. He looked at me like, 
how did how can you not say that? But he was very sweet about it. Well, he's been saying it all his he's life. He's been saying naturally. it all his life. And we just had a somebody from the radio Christian radio industry say to us, "We loved this Nancy Lee DeMoss thing, but we're this is an upstate New York." He said, "We're still working on the Walgamuth part of that." Okay, well, I understand that. Being from Northeast Mississippi, you know, if it's not a Smith or a Brown, we have right. trouble with it. So well, he said, "Why couldn't you have married somebody like Jones?" Or was, <laughs> this is the man God brought into my life, and I'm very thankful. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And I know it's exciting and I appreciate you so much. But we're here to talk about two things. One, a book, an old book that's been renewed. I I love that. I love that's the reason I love the hymns that we sing. Yes. And and somebody will get along and put a new bridge in it just to update it. And it's like for new people, it's a new song. And for us that have heard them all of our lives, it's updated and puts new energy in it. Puts freshens it up. It really does. Everything is to be fresh. And I think the Bible talks about days of refreshing and revive our hearts. Well, let me see. Where did that come from? (laughs) And uh, you're on AFR with us and we appreciate appreciate you so much in what you do and what you bring to the table. Oh, thank you, Bert, so much. That's a, we're so thankful for that partnership. And yeah. we're excited about this new new book. We're calling it a new book. It really yeah. isn't. But early in 2001, I wrote a book called Lies Women Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free. And that subtitle is the most important part because <laughs> right. it's the truth we need. Uh, but that book has sold over a million copies. And and about a year ago, our publishers, Moody Publishers, we talked with them and said, you know, there are a lot of things have changed in the last 18 years since I first wrote that. And there was no social media when I first wrote that book. There have been so many changes in sexual, sexuality issues, yeah. gender issues, these things that, are, that we're dealing with in our culture today. And so we've updated uh, revised and expanded this book. We added a whole chapter on sexuality. This is such a crucial issue now. So hoping to speak to a new generation Amen. of women and to pass on the truth of God's word that we need to keep going back to counseling our hearts when everything in the world seems to be going crazy and there's chaos and upheaval in the world's way of thinking. We need to tether our hearts as women and men Amen. to the truth of God's word. And with, and with women, as I'm speaking to them day after day, I know that this is what will, it won't solve all their problems and won't make all their problems go away, but it will give them freedom and joy and peace in the midst of the problems if they can be filling their hearts, renewing their minds with God's word. It's a secret, but it's not new. Exactly. It's still, still the truth that was true in the first century. It's timeless. It is. Timeless. Isn't that great? And the name of the book is still the same. Lies, but it, women, but it believe. Says updated and expanded. Right. So if you have this book in your library, great. But you need to go and get a new one because it is new and fresh and expanded, a whole new chapter. So, uh, and you'll see Nancy DeMoss on the first line and then Wogamuth on the second well, line. Well, that takes a little more space to write Wogamuth, so we gave it its own line. <laughs> well, I'm so proud. I appreciate the ministry that you've had to women. My wife is a recipient of it, and we've been so connected. And, and I, I must say, I'm connected with you also through Life Action yes, Ministries. our parent ministry. Uh, listen, I love Life Action mm-hmm. Ministry. They've changed my life, the mm-hmm. church that I pastored for 28 years. I had everything Life Action could oh, have. Oh, that's great. From the one-nighter all the way to the two week and a little bit further and yeah. then we had the other and it's been a joy to be that and know you're connected and almost it, 40 years 40 i've years. been with life action yes and it is as good a discipleship ministry yeah. that i know about yeah and I, I tell people all the time 
that, you know, it's not converts, although you need to be converted. What God is wanting is disciples. That's right. And, and that's that that is really what you do with the women we do we're calling women uh, revive our hearts is a is a ministry of life action ministries and we're calling women to experience freedom and fullness and fruitfulness in christ so not just to get born again but to get a mind that has been renewed so that these women who've experienced the reality of christ in their lives can then be missional can be missionaries to their children to their community to their um within their sphere of influence but also through their prayers uh through various means that women can be touching the world and making converts in the world who will then become followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. So we're trying to help them love Jesus, know Jesus. That's the vertical relationship that's got to come first. If you don't know him, if you don't love him and know his word, then you're not going to be able to have the kind of horizontal influence uh, on those that God has put around you. You know, what you said concerning ladies is the home is still the greatest place for evangelism and discipleship. No question. I know the church, listen, it is vital. It's his bride. Parachurch ministries like Life Action, American Family, they're ministries that are fulfilling, help fulfilling the commission. But the greatest place is the home. And when you touch the home, I, I think you touch the heart of God. And if we neglect the home, we actually give ammunition to the enemy to get his worldview promoted, the deception, the liar, the deceiver, we get that promoted throughout the world. So I have often taught over the years many times through that first paragraph in Titus 2 that talks to older women about how they're to live this example of a Christ-like life, and then they're supposed to teach the younger women. And one of the things it says, uh, they're to teach the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be pure, to be self-controlled, to be working at home. What does that mean? I've grappled with that. Does that mean they never leave their houses? Does that mean? Of course, there are many women in the scripture that are applauded for their various kinds exactly. of ministry and labor and service. But I think Paul is saying there, don't fumble the ball. Don't neglect the very first mission field God has given you, and that is in the side, the four walls of your own homes. What if we as women are doing Bible studies and um, involved in ministries and conferences and uh, doing all kinds of good works and activities, but we neglect our own marriages, our own children to disciple our kids and and bring them up in the nurture and and the love for Christ? What good does it do for us yeah. to be working around the world, but not, uh, but not, but not take paying attention and giving proper priority to our own families? You probably heard this story as well, but Billy Sunday, a great evangelist, yes. he wasn't good traveling by himself, and his wife would travel with him, and they had children at home, mm-hmm. and uh, she would be home a lot, but got a nanny to stay with them. After Billy Sunday had gone on it was recorded that miss sunday would say you know while my my while my husband and i were out winning the world our five sons went to hell now that is a horrible thing i i i say that and i cringe when i say it nancy lee because and i'm certain that he did not intend that at all that's the reason i admire i think i admire billy graham so much ruth she stayed at home and felt 
you know, kept those fires burning and uh, five children. Yes, they struggle. I I think every child is going to have a crisis of faith, whether you're uh, no matter whose son or daughter you are. Until it becomes your own faith. Until it becomes your own Mm -hmm. faith. You're exactly right. But the home is such a vital place. And I try, you know, we have children's ministries and youth ministries that are good. But I, I say, you know what you need to do? You need to have family and, and family ministers. And, and it comes out of the family ministry comes the youth ministry. Out of the family ministry comes the children's ministry. I, yes, you know, that's, yes. my, you know our, that's my thoughts. Now, it doesn't make everybody need to do that. But I, I still sure. think the family's that important. And I know that's what you do in your writings and your teaching. You, you just make it a priority. Well, our families, and again, that doesn't mean that if you're single, uh, that you don't have a ministry and a fullness of ministry, because I was single for 57 years, serving the Lord and fruitful and joyful in that. But once you get married and you have children, God intends that our homes and our relationships within the family of God, we're supposed to show the world what the family of God looks like. So our marriages are supposed to mirror the gospel, the, the redemptive love that Christ has for his church and the bride's response to her heavenly bridegroom. We're supposed to be showing the world the beauty of that union with Christ and how God loves his children and, and gives himself for them and provides for them. Our homes should be miniature temples, synagogues, churches, tabernacles, places where God dwells, where people can see the presence of the Lord. Not just a place we, you know, we run through on our way to do everything else, but this is our home should be places of worship and places where the gospel witness is made known. And women have a huge impact through their attitude. You know, we we women, we're the, I don't want to say in any way that women or men are more important than each other. It's not that at all. But I think women are the thermostats Amen. in our homes. <laughs> yes. The thermometer measures the temperature, but mm-hmm. we women are thermostats. We set the temperature. Yeah, I, I see it in my marriage to Robert. I see it in um, my extended family that, and in, and in the workplace and in the church, we women, we kind of, our atmosphere, our attitude sets the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important for us to be uh, connected to the source of life in Christ, to be knowing his word, filled with his spirit, filled with faith and with joy and exhibiting the peace of Christ and the patience of Christ. These things matter. And if we as women are shrill and shrewish and uptight and angry and bitter and resentful, if we let these weeds grow up in the gardens of our hearts, it's going to impact everyone around us. So that's why I love ministering to women and saying, look, you may live in a hard marriage. You may have a hard life. You may have hard finances or um, long for children that you can't have or long for a husband that you don't have. But your life, no matter what your situation, no matter what your circumstance, can be a gospel witness right where God has placed you if you will receive this season and this situation of your life as a gift. Uh, Years ago, uh, Dr. Dobson put out the things that were difficult for families, all families. And at the head of the list, now this is years ago mm-hmm. when he first started out, 1977, that right. long ago. And he said fatigue and time pressure. Now, balance is, is what I'm hearing you saying yeah. because wives and mothers and, and single women are pushed in so many directions to do this, do this. Do this professionally, do this yes. at your church, do this in your community, do this in your home. And 
I, I just want to say, in place of it being something you look at and you look at it, I, I would say looking at it, you know, uh, horizontally, you need to look at it vertically and say, okay, I need to prioritize this. Well, it's one of the lies that women believe, and that's that we can do everything and have everything super in woman. every season of our <laughs> lives. And we look at other women we think are those super women, and then we get depressed because we – Latte Facebook is one place that I think is can be so damaging if you believe what you're reading there because everybody else looks perfect, picture perfect. Their kids are darling, and, and their house looks you know amazing. And you're looking at the clutter and the mess in your house and your kids' attitudes, and you're thinking, what's wrong with me? Well, the lie we've believed is that I can do everything now. There are seasons of life. Right. There are things that I'm able to do now um, as a wife with my husband, Robert, as we pray and seek the Lord together that I couldn't do if I were in childbearing years. And so I, I was talking with a couple this morning. They have small children. And so that wife has a different, her life looks different Amen. Than, it, than mine does right now. So we can't compare. We have to say, Lord, what is it you have for this season in my life? And I see so many women, we have all these time-saving devices, supposedly. <laughs> and yet we're stressed out. If Dr. Dobson thought people were tense and stressed out back in the 70s, what would he say today? Yes. And we're exhausted, perpetually just, um, and soul tired and physically tired. And I think that's because we're trying to do and be more than what God has called us to do and be in this season. And that's why we need to examine our priorities and do it regularly and say, and, and I do this with my husband. I say, we say to each other, what are we doing that maybe this isn't the season for that? And then you have to be willing to, you can't please everybody. You can't. You can't make everybody happy. No is an important word. It is, but not because I don't want right. to serve. Exactly. There are a lot of things I would love to do and things that I would love to be able to provide for people. But I have to say my relationship with the Lord, my relationship with my husband, serving the ministry where God has placed me, these are things that God has called me to do in this season, and I can't do everything else, and that's okay. It is. When when I see your book, Lies Women Believe, Satan is the extreme liar yes. you know yes it all started back in it genesis chapter there. three and the lies that women believe i think are perpetuated by facebook who wants to take the picture of their kitchen when it's all messed up they're going to take the picture of it when it's clean and put it on facebook yeah we're putting our best possible yeah. face and the romantic moments and the beautiful moments and thank god those are sweet moments but what about the messiness yeah of our lives and the clutter and the being honest about that I don't have it all put together. It's not just my kitchen, it's my heart Amen. gets cluttered. And we don't want people to see that, but I think there's a beauty in being honest with each other. Good people, if there really were anybody good, don't need Jesus, don't need the gospel. It's messy people, sinful people, broken people, fallen people. We're the ones who need the gospel. So I think freedom comes when I can say, look, I don't have it all together. I'm not even close. Um, I'm stumbling, faltering. There's there's temptation in my life. There's struggles in my life. There are addictions. I, and, you know, I tend to fall into these patterns of wrong responses or whatever. This is my natural innate response would be this, but... I'm experiencing the grace of God and the power of the cross to change me and to change my world. That's the kind of thing we need to be telling Amen. each other. Amen. And when we do that, it not only strengthens the women, 
it it strengthens those girls who are watching those ladies i'm to have a mentor yes and to be a mentor i don't care if you're male or female yes to have someone that's going before you and then have some people that are walking with you accountability i call them accountability partners and then have someone who is following you and they're observing you, and you're knowing you need to live up to God's expectation. Do you see how that seals us in and makes us someone in front of us, some people beside us, and some people behind us? What a picture that is for discipleship. And I saw that picture beautifully displayed at our wedding just 27 (laughs) months ago. i got to tell you this. I knew we would get a wedding story. That's right. We're old folks. My husband was 67. I was 57 when we got married, so we didn't have wedding attendance. Like, who do you pick? at our age so but we did have those three categories of people there was an elderly woman there that i had known all her life all not all her life all my life and she came she she was sick she had leukemia she actually died about seven weeks after our wedding she came from florida to um illinois because she said it's if this last thing i do i've got to be at your wedding and she was they wheeled her in a wheelchair to the bride's room and she prayed with me and she said to me honey I'm a mama, and I just want to ask you, before you get married, is there anything you want to ask a mama? And she was just that older woman in my life, which she had been. She'd prayed for me. She had encouraged me. She had inspired me. I looked up to her. I want to be like her when I grow up. That was the older woman, spiritual mother in my life. Well, when I went down the aisle, there were, as I said, there were no bridesmaids, but there were 10 little girls who are children or grandchildren of real sweet friends of mine. I've known these children all their lives. The oldest was maybe about 10. And these little girls, they were all dressed up in their little white and red dresses and their hair all fixed up. And they went down the aisle before I did and they were ringing bells. And this was a picture of the spiritual daughters, spiritual children. These are young women there, but they're going to be my age before you know it. So I'm investing in their lives. So we had spiritual mothers, we had spiritual daughters, and then there's a group of women that I've been connected with for years. We call ourselves the sisterhood. And we're women who know each other, we love each other, we've prayed for each other, we walk together. Those women were at our wedding and they prepared um, the 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 room Robert and I were staying in on our honey on our uh, wedding night. They went in ahead of us. They had rose petals <laughs> everywhere. They had more candles than a than a you know a Buddhist temple. They I mean the, it was, and the alarm didn't go off. The Good. alarm didn't go off. But these and we do life together. So we yeah. have spiritual mothers, right? Spiritual daughters, spiritual sisters. I need all of those in my life, Amen. and every person does. Every And if you don't have them, I encourage you, pray up that That's mentor. Right. God, That's right. God can provide every yes. one of those names. Yes. I've seen it done when I've given that example for men and women. And I said, if you don't have them, pray and ask God to open your eyes to those that you need to surround your life with. And you take the bull by the horns and say, you become that kind of person. Yes. Don't wait for somebody to come to you. I've heard, I've, I've written on this older women, younger women thing a lot. And I, the older women are always saying to me, but the younger women aren't interested. They don't really want to hear. They don't need me. And the younger women say, the older women aren't, inv- they're not interested. They're not available. And I put them together and I say, look. You, 
you go, younger women, go to the older women. Say, would you pray with me? Could we have coffee together? Could I ask you some questions? Older women, you go find those younger women. When I started writing my book on Titus 2, I was a younger woman. When I finished it, I was an older woman. It took me that long. So I've I've been in both those places. Every woman is an older woman to somebody else. And every woman is a younger woman to someone else. So you initiate those relationships. Don't wait for them to come to you. Nancy, it's great to have you and your book, Lies Women Believe, subtitle, which may be more important. Yes. The truth that sets them free. Yes. Be free indeed. Yes. I love the freedom to Jesus do what we Jesus said you will know the truth. And the, and the truth, truth will set you free. Again, thank you for yeah. being with us. Thank you, Bert. God bless you. 